0: What's up guys, it's Richie Rich of the Jordan Patrick Show, non-sports related, I it slipped my mind to mention this on the show, we're getting intense talking about the bowl, but big shout out to my brother from another mother, Richard Dorney, he is currently with his wife who is in labor, and she's about to have a beautiful baby girl in addition to our family, Richie is literally my brother, we grew up together, and I am very Very pleased for the addition to his family. So big shout out to Richie Dorney, my brother, one of our biggest supporters. Can't wait to, he's able to travel and to be on this show in person. I love you, buddy. And I'm very happy for you and Marianne. And we all are here at the Jordan Patrick Show. We love you, bye.
1: Uh-huh. Alright, 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 it is Super Bowl Sunday, JPS Football Show, I'm your host Elliot Evans, I'm here with Richie Rich, how you doing today pal?
0: I'm excited man, we got the Super Bowl today, Uh, not the two teams I necessarily expected going, one of them I did, Uh, game for the ages, former face versus the newer face of the league, it's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of fun and uh, happy anniversary pal.
1: Yeah, happy anniversary. So um, there's a lot to talk about this morning. We're not going to have a super long show, but there's there's a lot of history. There's a lot of uh, um, records and milestones happening today. So uh, our host couldn't be with us. Our, our Jordan Patrick, the namesake of the show, couldn't make it today. But in honor of our celebratory anniversary Super Bowl show, he did leave us a message to not only celebrate our anniversary, but... Tell you his thoughts on the Super Bowl show. Without further ado, I'm going to let him talk.
2: Hey, guys. Jordan from the Jordan Patrick Show just giving you my Super Bowl predictions for tonight's game. Last time these two teams met up was November 29th. The final score was 27-24 to 24 with Kansas City handling their business and coming out on top. Tonight, I don't know. I think it's going to be kind of interesting. Uh, the Bucks have the number one rush D in the league. And Mahomes is not necessarily 100% with that toe injury. Those are going to be two factors that really come into play here. Uh, and it, but Kansas City's on the path to uh, becoming the first team to repeat since Brady's Pats did it in 2004. So just pay attention to a few key players that are coming back in this game for both sides here. You've got A.B. who says he is going to play today on the Tampa side of things. And then on the other side of things, you have Sammy Watkins who is stepping back up to the plate Uh, Which I think is very important for KC, uh, seeing as they're going to double team uh, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey all day long. The coverage there is going to be smothering on the two of them, which is going to open up opportunities for guys like Hardman, Robinson, and the infamous Sammy Watkins. Uh, Last time these two teams met up, Tyreek Hill got three receiving TDs. This could be, he could be an X factor this game as well. I just think he's going to get, he's going to get smothered today, quite frankly. They're going to put everybody on Tyreek today to try to shut him down. Uh, But what's going to be exploited today is uh, special teams. I think this is going to be possibly a game changer. Uh, Special teams for KC is absolutely amazing. One of the names I already mentioned was Hardman. This dude is a uh, kick returner, punt returner. Uh, He's potentially going to get a punt return, maybe a kickoff return for a TD. I'll call it now. Go out on a limb there and, and throw that prediction out there. Because Tampa Bay's kick coverage unit is not the best. Definitely not the best. There's some holes there. So my final prediction for this game, I I absolutely think it's going to be a shootout. Um, Even though you have the Honey Badger on one side trying to shut down Mike Evans and, and Chris Godwin, I think it's going to be a damn close game. The spread is, what, three and a half in favor of KC. I think KC covers that spread, but just barely. I think they win by four. And the final score is going to be 41 to 37 in a weird score. Wild game. Absolute shootout, guys. Enjoy it.
1: All right, so that's our show. I think Jordan uh, pretty much covered everything, so thank you for listening. No, I'm just kidding. Um, that was a great recap, though. That was great analysis. Thank you, Jordan, for sending us that audio over. Um, like the score call, too.
0: Yeah, yeah. He he touched on uh, definitely some legitimate keys in the game. And I'm glad he didn't go over some of the ones I thought, so, so we have a couple of differing ones. <laughs>
1: we still have a little to talk about. Yeah, so. yeah.
0: But, no, he, he did
1: good. Um, yes, very good. So one host has weighed in on their prediction for the game. Uh, I hope someone at home is keeping score. Um, so we, we were going to start with a little brief season recap for these two teams. I think um, it's always interesting to think about the journey here and not wait for the uh, NFL films version to come out around um, the last minute of the game. Um, pre-order now. Super Bowl champion. I'm just kidding. Um, and then
0: America's game, of course, going into next season. <laughs> One of these two teams are going to be hosting the opener next Thursday you know the first Thursday night of the year and you know they give you they drop the Americas game about two hours before kickoff.
1: <laughs> it never ends, right? So um,
0: Get a little misty-eyed if it's your team, you know?
1: Yeah, it's been a while. Um, I want to talk about the Chiefs first because I don't think it's going to take us too long. Um, For me, in short, their season was about what I expected. They still looked like the best team every week while somehow being underwhelming yet winning comfortably. It was a little confusing, but we were talking outside a little bit about other um, championship teams Um, and potential dynasties, which we can speak on later, these teams have a way of setting the bar so high that every week seems like a disappointment if they don't blow out their opponents. And when they do, it seems expected. I feel like the Chiefs fell into that where every week they got the job done and everyone seemed, the vast majority of people seemed underwhelmed somehow, which is amazing because I think they were the most complete team uh, in every measure that I could see. What What did you see when you were watching the Chiefs this year, Rich? Um,
0: I agree with everything you said with regard to them uh, defending their championship because the thing that a lot of people forget is that when you're the defending champs, especially in football with the shortest week-to-week season, you're taking everybody's best punch every week, whether it's a division rival like, say, Denver or the Raiders, or if it's a primetime matchup or America's Game of the Week matchup where you'll run into a team like, say... The Bucks, who they ran into earlier this year, which was one of the better games of the season that the Chiefs played. Or, you know, you have like an interconference battle like a Buffalo that they've had during the season. Um thing that the media doesn't touch on a lot, because you know, like anything else when when it's the eye test and, and your casual viewers, you obviously promote your stars. You got your Tyree Kills, your Patrick Mahomes, those kind of characters, the coaching staff, this and that. But people don't talk about missing pieces during seasons and patchwork. Like, for instance, the O line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They've gone through a lot and they're going to face another challenge going into tonight's game, which we'll touch on. But week to week, you know, a guy like Sammy Watkins, as Jordan said in his message, um, he's been out for so long. Guys get banged up. Travis Kelsey playing through pain, Hill had his injuries. Uh, you know, th- th- there's a litany of that. Not just with the Chiefs, any team that endures that kind of season, you know, taking everybody's best shot. But um, to your point, they arrive when they have to, and I do feel that they have that gear where they turn it on when they're being challenged by the better teams in the NFL. And their record would suggest that with Patrick Mahomes, they've only lost one game this year. They benched him for the final game of the year, a game that meant nothing that they lost. They already had home field sewed up, but they have always arrived when they
1: needed to. And again, it it does have to be repeated, COVID. COVID has made the whole injury and missing players in key positions and key moments uh, such a spotlight to this year. Um, I don't know if it's just because we talk about this shit so much, but I feel like O-linemen have gotten a little more shine than in years past. Yeah, I think people
0: are starting to understand that it's important to speak on these guys because any level of football, whether it's Pee Wee, high school, college, pro, um, the battles are won up front before any of the the fun stuff that you get to see, whether it's Mahomes throwing a 60-yard bomb off his back foot or Tom Brady making third and unmanageable look like nothing, you know. um, It all starts up front, and any championship team, I mean, hell, your Dallas team's, Looking back in history, arguably the greatest set of linemen of any team that won these Super Bowls. Uh, my team, uh, back a, a decade or so ago, you know, a lot of journeyman linemen that became a, a phenomenal unit together and one potential Hall of Famer and possibly Chris Snee. But the point I'm making is, like, these guys are so vital to the success of of winning football, because at the end of the day, you're, you're protecting your biggest asset, which in today's game is the quarterback because it's a passing league.
1: Yeah, and I mean, um, I think it's been another important thing to see that chemistry is important in all positions in a team sport like football, but nowhere more so than the offensive line. Um, you can have an inferior talent on the O-line that knows the guys next to him and is part of that unit for years, perform better than getting some highly touted free agent that doesn't pan out. I think your team knows that all too well um, about overpaying linemen that didn't fit the system or oh, yeah didn't gel. And and people are too quick to just say, okay, um, Eric Flowers is garbage. And, and that might well be true. But it can also be the case of players getting moved around and never really finding a home with that unit. Because the O-line, and you know this because you got to play O-line when you were younger, and as did I, again, very low level, but but these concepts are consistent through the years. They just get enhanced. Mm-hmm. The player needs to trust the guy next to him in order yeah. to do the best because it's not just beating your man on every play. It's your quarterback knowing that, all right, if if my man at right tackle is going to get beat, it's probably going to be the outside so I can step up and in the pocket. These scrambles aren't pure athleticism and, and reaction. There is an element of, of practice to it.
0: Practice and planning because mm-hmm. to your point – if your team is going through bad performance where your guys are getting shifted around or if guys are just getting hurt, as a quarterback or even guys that are playing next to each other on the line, it's hard to build that rapport because the offensive line, in my opinion, is the tightest-knit, clickish group of any football team.
1: Easily. Easily.
0: And I think, you know, they sit together, they eat together. Weirdos. Yeah, I can see that too. <laughs> but
1: they're like the hard kids. They're yeah, just- because
0: because like like a kicker... They're, they're similar, I think Jordan would appreciate the analogy, they're similar to pitchers. Mm-hmm. Like say if a pitcher got a no-hitter going or a shutout going, people leave them alone. And with kickers, if they got a big kick on the horizon, like if they're positioning for a potential game winner, guys tend to just not look at them. Mm-hmm. Let them zone. Let them do what they do. And kickers are so important also in especially a game like today. Ask, yeah. uh, ask any Buffalo Bills <laughs> fan how important a kicker is. To bring it back to the O-line. Or a Patriot fan, for that matter.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, To bring it back to the O-line, that's probably been been the one weakness of the Chiefs that's been a consistent storyline throughout the year. And that, to me, uh, segues nicely into talking about Tampa's season. Because what's been so impressive to me about Tampa Bay's second half of the year has been the way Brady has adapted and learned to have that chemistry with the O-line. Right? Yeah. Brady is not yeah. the pure athlete, um, at least with his legs, that some of these other newer QBs are. But his understanding of how the pocket moves is going to be in direct correlation with the guys he has in front of him. Mm-hmm. The first half of the season was a fucking mess. It was. It made me feel good because, one, I don't like Brady, and, two, I predicted that Tampa would struggle to adapt. Well, me too. Well, eggs on my face because here they are in the Super Bowl. What was the turning point in the season to you for Tampa Bay? When did they put it all together finally?
0: If I had to take an honest guess, I think it was during that rough patch where they lost a tough one to the Chicago Bears where Brady didn't realize it was fourth down. Mm -hmm. They lost a tough game at home to the Los Angeles Rams. They lost another tough game at home to the team they're playing today, the Kansas City Chiefs. And Bruce Arians, during this uh, rough patch, really voiced an amazing confidence in his team feeling that they were going to be where they needed to be and that this was all part of the growing curve, the learning curve, I should say. But I do think that Brett said this on a show super recently, and ultimately it came down to allowing Tom Brady to be trusted a little more than the typical player of most teams and essentially put that faith in him that this is your show and that these men are going to follow you. And, you know, there's a lot of respect on that team with Brady's teammates because a lot of these guys for a lot of different years played as rivals. I mean, Antonio Brown was a Pittsburgh Steeler forever, a team that constantly ran into the Patriots in meaningful games. Leonard Fournette, a little more recently, was in a title game against him with Jacksonville. You've got um, other players that maybe didn't have the same success where they would meet Brady but just were top-tier players that know all about him. Ndamukong Sue knows about him. More so, Jason Pierre-Paul, you go back to Super Bowl 46, Tom Brady was mic'd up saying, Holy fuck, it's like throwing into a forest. You know, JPP's long arms and whatnot. Um, there's a lot of side stories here uh, on the opposite side. Once again, a lot of respect, a lot of familiar faces. Andy Reid has faced Tom Brady in a Super Bowl way back in Jacksonville when he was still coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. Steve Spagnola. Head coach, uh, excuse me, defensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs was instrumental in shutting down arguably the greatest Tom Brady led team of all time, which was the 07 Patriots. Uh, upset the Giants had way back in 2008, 2007 season. Um, there's a lot of storylines in this game. You have Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, who were two thirds of the killer bees that are playing against each other. Mm-hmm. You know, the storylines are limitless here. With with a lot of guys, and what's interesting with this Tampa thing, because getting back to the question of how they turned it, is I think guys just started getting comfortable and acclimated to playing up to the standard that they were expected. I mean, for the majority of the season, the New Orleans Saints were the better team in the South, mm-hmm. and they weathered. Injuries better because Breeze had missed time. They still won the division. They convincingly swept Tampa.
1: I was going to say you pointed out um, in our preview show for the playoffs that beating a team three times is extremely difficult to do and obviously uh, is what happened. The Saints were not able to beat them. Very few
0: teams have done it, and to the best of my knowledge, not checking out a fact check on this, last team to do it was the Tennessee Titans way back in, I believe, 99 against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Those were the Jaguars' only three losses, with the third being the AFC title game. Mm-hmm. And the other one that comes to mind, you got to go back to the very year after that, 2000, when the New York Giants, who won the NFC that year, yeah, losing to the very famous Baltimore defense, they swept the Eagles three times that year. But it doesn't happen very often. And to be honest, in all my years, those are the only two times I actually recall that happening.
1: Mm-hmm. So I think, I think just to summarize this up just a little bit, um, because as you pointed out, there are limitless storylines. This I mean, the media coverage this year should be so in-depth with the um, wonderful amount of stories you could tell about either team. So many, so many intricate rivalries and built-in things to this. We could spend hours on it. We're not going to do that. Super Bowl Sunday, we want to get you in position to get on the couch with your food and all that stuff ready to go. So um, – Two extremely different roads to this point. The Chiefs came in as repeat champions. Yes. They pretty much met all expectations, I would say. Um, Week to week, maybe it looked a little off to some people. But frankly, you can't deny, um, what, two losses? Yeah, two losses and 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 only
0: one with Mahomes. Because as I alluded to, week 17 had no bearing on their future of season.
1: So the Chiefs have pretty much steamrolled their way to back-to-back Super Bowl appearances, whereas Tampa uh, had the high expectations, sort of failed to meet those early, and then have come on extraordinarily strong in the second half. So before we talk about the actual game coming up, we're going to let you hear from a big Tom Brady fan, uh, and we'll be back after that all right, boys. This is Bretsky. Tuning in the, the JPS Football Edition. Just wanted to give you guys my uh,
0: predictions for the big dance. I believe that Thomas, Edward, Patrick, Brady will be hoisting the seventh Lombardi. Final score: 42-39.
1: Buccaneers winning at home. You guys enjoy enjoy the game. Love you. Fuck you, J. Hinch. Peace. Okay. Thank you, Unabomber. Um, that's that's Brett friend of the podcast. Wait a H.
0: minute. I thought that was that Stan Meoff guy. From Wait, Chicago? him and Brett are no. the same guy?
1: No, 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 no. Definitely not. That's Don't. so weird, they man. They have the same audio issue, but uh, they are definitely different individuals. Because I
0: used to speculate that Hulk Hogan was Mr. America, but I never was really able to put my finger on no, it.
1: No, no, no. See, Jokmioff is a, a huge Chicago Shout Paris out, Jason Cade. <laughs> and is uh, a huge Tom Beatty, Brady um, fan. Wait a minute. So is that why his audio? Because I,
0: I, I heard Brady was doing it different this year. He wanted to go, new team. So he wanted to go to Disney first. And then he wanted to go to the Super Bowl. So,
1: wait a minute. Stay I don't want to speculate. safe out there, kids. Uh, Brett's I'm married. So, I don't
0: want to speculate. So You saw what happened to Vito on The Sopranos.
1: Speaking of Tom Brady, this will be his third Super Bowl that he is coming in as an underdog. Now, before we talk about that, I want to point out, he's been, uh, his team at least, his underdogs, even though he was part of a team that just knocked off NFL MVP Aaron Rodgers.
0: Yep. Honored last night at the NFL Honors and much deserving.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, so next week we'll probably talk about some of these awards and um, maybe a little bit of projections for where these players might end up. But, you know, it's always weird to think of Tom Brady as an underdog or his team. Um, however, at this point, he is 2-0 and as an underdog. He, uh, his, his first Super Bowl appearance, they were dogs to the Rams. And um, when they faced Seattle in Seattle's uh, repeat Super Bowl appearance, they were technical underdogs of one point. Thank you to the Athletic for that. Uh, so so basically fact. you're
0: saying that the two times he was underdogs, um, shout out Spygate and shout out Darryl Bevel for <laughs> – uh, no, just playing. He's great.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But there's another great quarterback he'll be playing against. Um, Despite having a home field advantage for the first team, uh, a first year a team gets to host the Super Bowl in their home city, despite that, they're underdogs to the Kansas City Chiefs, and we all know why. It's Patrick Mahomes. Yes. Are we... Do we want to call this the, the passing of the torch? Did that already happen? What, what does this game mean to you as far as the future of the face of the league?
0: Before we touch on that, I gotta, since I'm gonna corroborate that what we just said about the home field advantage, this is interesting. This particular season, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are trying to do something that most recently, the Packers and Giants did, which is win all three games on the road leading up to getting there. Mm. Oddly enough, they're in their home stadium. I feel that Tampa has played better football on the road. Their record would suggest that three of their five losses have happened in that stadium, one of them against the team they're playing today. Um, One last stat I got to throw out there. Jordan gave a good one with the underdog Brady thing. Tom Brady has never lost a Super Bowl on grass. Philadelphia Eagles and my New York Giants, for his three losses, that was indoors on a different surface.
1: Interesting, yeah. I mean, so there, there's a lot of little factoids we can we can talk about this game, but but Patrick I mean, Mahomes
0: is also undefeated on grass. Granted, he's played uh...
1: <laughs> yeah eight
0: after today eight less Super Bowls, but nonetheless. Uh...
1: Well, but so okay, so we could talk about this um, also in terms of, of budding dynasties. Obviously, um, much of the 2000s were dominated by the Patriots and Tom Brady. Yeah, here he is again. Patrick Mahomes is in his second consecutive Super Bowl, and as you pointed out, his third consecutive AFC championship.
0: Yeah, who he ironically lost to Brady, and similar to the Rodgers Brady thing, Mahomes was the MVP that year Mm -hmm. in a very classic AFC title game that was decided in overtime. Mm -hmm. Brady, and I got to give him credit for this because I know we get on him when he doesn't shake hands. I got to also say this. In victory... Before he celebrated with his teammates, he knocked on the Chiefs' locker room door and met with a very young Patrick Mahomes to congratulate him on what he did that year, to talk to him from an elder to a younger player about just football and, and where he's going and what he thought of him. And I must say, for someone that's that high on the pedestal, to bring it down and for a very young player, I think that's admirable on Brady's part. And as NFL Network alluded to, these two, despite playing such a massive game, were very loose talking to each other. Almost like you would see in a boxing match leading up where they, you'll have a orator and the two guys are talking. This obviously doesn't have the same uh, kind of depth and hatred of a, maybe a boxing match. This isn't Frazier Ali. Right. But nonetheless, it was interesting to see the kind of rapport these two have and how it seems like the game isn't too big for them.
1: Well, I think in a lot of older guard, people knock players for this. They feel like it's less of a competitive thing. But, you know, I call bullshit on that. You know, there, there are stories of, of soldiers at war with one another in, in ceasefires, you know, sitting back and talking to one another. Everyone... You've probably heard the World War I stories uh, where there was a ceasefire during Christmas and the guys came out and played soccer with each other and shit like that. Point being, you can be intensely competitive during the game and be close friends when you're not playing.
0: Look at Charles Barkley and Michael Jordan before they had a Fallout post career. Those two were inseparable during right. the primes of their careers.
1: Yeah, so they I mean, played
0: golf together during the finals.
1: Right, so I, I do get a little irked. I do get a little irked when people talk about the chumminess of players, and it's not the same as it used to. Bullshit, bullshit. Um, there, there's different issues with the newer perspective on the way teams are formed and stuff. But I think we're going to see an amazing duel between the new face of the league and the um, the goat, as considered by most. Most people
0: would give him that title. I
1: do, you know. As we were talking here, it did occur to me. I don't really feel like Brady was the face of the league. At any point, even though he's been the most successful quarterback of our era, and arguably of all time, I would never really feel like he was the the poster child for the league, like Madden cover type shit.
0: It's interesting. I mean, although, ironically, he was indeed on the Madden cover. One of the few that didn't get injured. Good for him, because most of the time when you get on the cover, you get hurt.
1: But how many times was was he on the cover? Just once. Just once, right? Yes, sir. This is a man that's... The, the winner in our era
0: to my knowledge though to be fair, I do believe that with the exception of John Madden himself, no actual player when John Madden once upon a time was a player uh, has made the cover more than once.
1: agreed but and Madden is not the ultimate measuring stick for um, oh no which players the leagues are pushing I just genuinely feel like there were so many Patriots fans that that worshiped this guy. I feel like the league never really tried to push him on other people because there is that love-hate thing. Well, it's funny. Dynasty.
0: I almost feel like it's a reverse psychology that the league plays with the general public and general fan bases. And you actually opened my eyes to this just one random night when we were talking sports. Is that as he being the villain, so to speak, the the Darth Vader, so to speak, because mm-hmm. kind of like the way the Yankees were painted for such a long time with always winning other great franchises have, have been painted that way. The Kobe Shaq Lakers, a lot of people don't like them, you know, yada, yada. Um, is that a lot of people outside of new England and now Tampa tune in because they want this guy to fail. Yeah. But the following and the passion that people tune in whenever Tom Brady's on the field is undeniable, whether you want him to win or you want him to lose. The point is you're watching them. And I think it's almost like a reverse strategy because you know, Let's be real. He got hit with accusatory stuff with the the deflating of the footballs. I'm not going to get too hard on him for because other quarterbacks have openly said that they've done it, too. I think because it was Tom Brady Mm -hmm. and because New England already had a little bit of a dirty program, so to speak, with the spygate, which was undeniable. A lot of people would feel that they got a slap on the wrist. It was also Roger Goodell's first year as the commish. Mm-hmm. And then quite frankly, I don't think he wanted to ruin the brand. And I think he tried to do damage control and get rid of as much evidence as he could because I don't think he necessarily wanted people to know how bad it was.
1: Yeah, I mean, so we see this a lot. And, and I think the so, conversation but you were... But to your
0: anti-face to- thing, I do think that that weighed a little heavily on it. Like Goodell suspended him with that with that deflate gate shit. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he still ended up in the Super Bowl, and Goodell did look a little hesitant to want to hand him that Lombardi, although it was one, fair and square. And then you got, uh, this has nothing to do with Brady, so to speak, but one of the best owners in the NFL. I mean, he's an old man. Shit, it was what it was. With the whole, uh, what do we call that one, Hand job gate? <laughs> yeah, you, you know. Uh, Handy gate. Handy gate. Yeah, you know, like, um... I was moderately amused because of how apologetic Kraft was. Like, what are you apologizing about? What? You went there and did what you wanted to do. Stop bullshitting me. You're, you're sorry because it came out, and you're sorry because there was a sting that they were checking to make right. sure that these women well- were not underage.
1: Well, and, or a part of the sex slave trade. And again, there, there's bigger issues that we Correct. can get way too far in the weeds on. But that's the reason why he had to apologize and shit. There, there's a lot of other factors outside of an old man getting a hand job at a massage partner that made that not okay. But But to bring it back into focus, I mean...
0: Brady's can't. great. He came from a very tumultuous, in terms of bending the rules, program. Not questioning their greatness... But I think, from the image standpoint, that has been part of the reason, to your point, why I think so many people do their best interference to try to deny him from being considered the goat.
1: Do you think? Do you think it had to be had to do with uh, sort of the, the good guy? Um, I know he's turned into the sort of villain through success. But we were talking about Kurt Angle and you know playing the heel. Was the NFL really? Uncomfortable with pushing someone that couldn't be used in that way because Brady, it, it he only became a heel because of his success. Otherwise, that's he had that valid sort of all American boy. Like,
0: no, that's valid. I know? mean, and so many characteristics similar to his hero, Joe Montana. Montana coming from Notre Dame, Brady coming from Michigan. Both those schools, not exactly a quarterback factory, but these are two guys that, in my opinion in the history of the big game, are the two greatest winners. And from an MVP standpoint and just all kinds of success, I believe they are the two greatest quarterbacks that ever played the game, maybe not talent-wise, because then you could throw in Marino and Peyton and start getting complicated. I'm talking about from flat-out winning, getting it done.
1: Yeah, and so, you know, I don't want to mistake anything we're saying for accusing the league of fixing games or anything crazy like that.
0: But they do have images and things they're selling, just like... Any business does.
1: I'm sure they have preferred outcomes um, that that they can market more readily. Um, For instance, we did discuss, like, some of the calls going against the Packers. Well, I think the league was happy to see Brady in the bowl over um, Aaron Rodgers because of what we just said uh, a few minutes ago. Brady is loved by a particular group of people in the Northeast and now in Tampa, and he's hated by most of the rest of the fans. That's a huge draw. Rodgers... Doesn't quite have that pull.
0: And, and at the same time, Rodgers, similar to Brady, is not exactly received all the way around the board by NFL fans. A lot of people question how great he is, which makes me laugh. That's another conversation. But the point to be made is that the guy that he replaced – was like the NFL's everything. You want to talk about a face that, of the league? Yeah,
1: that, Brett
0: yeah. Favre was the face of the league before Tom Brady or anyone else came about.
1: And I think he'd still be in, in media and everything else if it weren't for the scandals that came out late I, I
0: think that's valid, and I would say that he followed Montana. It was Montana, and it was Favre.
1: Meanwhile, interesting uh, to see the way they've embraced Mahomes fully. The NFL oh, has and yeah. their full weight behind oh, him. Oh, yeah. And, and it's interesting because... Honestly, he's a damn good kid. From all outward appearances, he has the same sort of all-American good kid. Sure is. You know what I mean? And and it's just been interesting to see how they've approached demographics and and pushed him comfortably in a way that I haven't seen them get behind too many players like that. What I'm most
0: impressed with with Mahomes for his age, he shows a maturity of a 15-year veteran, Granted, this is only, Christ, his third year as a starter, because year one he backed up Mm -hmm. this year's Comeback Player of the Year, Alex Smith. Big shout out to him. Yeah. You know, taking just a quick, quick, quick second life and just overcoming so much. Uh, This man was recovering with war veterans, war heroes, I should say. And the inspiration that he got from these brave men and women definitely propelled him to get back to his craft and what he did. And it's not even about winning and losing at that point. Getting back on that field is a win for Mr. Smith. So a big shout-out to him. Uh, To Tom Brady's credit again, he he gave Alex Smith a a massive tribute, and I I give Brady props for that. Uh, One thing I got to give Brady, Michael Jordan, any of these guys, Kobe, God rest his soul, they recognize the grind, and they recognize hard work and they respect hard work. And that's one thing that, whether you love them or hate them, you can never take that away from Tom Brady. I mean, the fact that he openly admitted, uh, Eli did, that he doesn't like, that he's friends with Brady. He doesn't like to push those couple of upsets in his face. He's he, he's respectful to the point that he won't bring it up, but he says that Tommy does and that it still bothers him. That's the kind of competitor you're dealing with with Tom Brady, a man that can still get irked about something that happened over a decade ago it, it, it's a testament to
1: his greatness it's, it's not coincidental we saw it with the last dance series yes right? sure was the same type of we might call petty but these the greatest competitors have that little bit of pettiness that's that what pushes
0: separates them man
1: it's you know you don't always want to be around those guys but they're they're hella fun to watch nice. so yeah you know here we are 34 minutes in and it is time for us to actually talk about this game that's happening today uh, we've given you the storylines. We've talked about some tangential stuff. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the Super Bowl. What is going to happen in this game? Rich, how do you see this playing out on the field? Well, I
0: believe that the worst of the weather has already come through the Tampa, Central Florida area.
1: Yeah, and, and boy how. So,
0: yeah, I was a little scared <laughs> yesterday, buddy. I was sleeping. I thought the roof was coming down. I Still here. Like a baby, but it's all right. Good for you. Uh,. Now that the weather's passed and, and it should be a, a pretty dry field, I, I'm i happy about that because I think it kind of gives it an even playing field, so to speak. Keys to victory. As Elliot alluded to and myself also, the Chiefs are playing with a bit of a banged-up O-line. Everybody remembers Mike Remmers. Ask Von Miller about Mike Remmers, former Giant also, and uh, thanks, Dave Gettleman, for that one. Oh yeah, golf clap for that. Way no, to just, go, uh, pal. I
1: was embracing Jason Garrett for you guys still.
0: Oh, he's going to be all right. <laughs> we'll touch on that next season. Yeah, I have does. time to justify that shit. <laughs> at any rate, uh shit, man. At any rate, uh
1: banged up O-line for but, the Chiefs, is that going to be a deciding factor in this one, is it or I mean,
0: anytime in a big game, it could be a deciding factor. It might not show its ugly face in the beginning, but it could certainly show it in critical time at the I- end.
1: Well, I kind of have the opposite feel, like um, Tampa's defensive line gave Aaron Rodgers fits in the first half of that game. Correct. And, um, you know, it took until the second half for them to figure out a way to adjust around the pressure. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you you see a similar problem? The Chiefs, again, banged up O-line. Are they going to have a hard time adjusting?
0: Not as as bad, and I'm going to tell you why. Okay. No disrespect to Aaron Rodgers or the Green Bay Packers, but... The Chiefs have more to work with. They have an all-pro tight end and Travis Kelsey. Mm-hmm. Mahomes is so great at just getting rid of the ball quickly, and, yep. and they have a litany of packages that they could throw at the best defensive coordinator. That can be confusing. Yeah. Now, you got Todd Bowles, former Jet head coach, who turned out to be a damn good defensive coordinator against Steve Spagnola. A lot of people want to talk about the great arms and the, the, these wonderful quarterbacks. Defense is going to be key in this game at certain points. And I'm not talking about shutting it down like the 85 Bears. I'm talking about getting off the field on a third down, holding a team to a field goal.
1: And and our our namesake host Jordan pointed out, uh, you know, the Honey Badger matching up with Mike Evans or Godwin. Yeah. What a crucial matchup that was going to be for sure. No
0: question. And on the flip side, you know, Tyreek Hill scorched these guys for over 200 yards in their first meeting. The score was a lot closer than the actual game. Tampa chipped away when it was kind of decided. Um, you know, one thing I will say, and that's going to be enjoyable about this game, is that neither quarterback is going gonna, is gonna to fold under the pressure because these two are very comfortable playing in big games. Their previous matchup was an instant classic. I expect the same. Um, but, yeah, keys to victory. Tampa has got to exploit the mismatches on the front line. Where the Chiefs might be able to take advantage is knowing, with the little toe issue that Mahomes has and the weaknesses on the O-line, if Tampa gets a little too aggressive, I can see the Chiefs taking advantage in the screen game, taking advantage in the middle of the field and just getting matchups that are favorable to them in open space because the Chiefs are the fastest team in the NFL and the most well-oiled offense in the NFL. And if Tampa gets a little too aggressive, Trying to get after Mahomes and taking the game over that way, Mahomes can definitely make them pay.
1: So what I what I saw against Green Bay, the, uh, uh, Tampa was effective sending not crazy blitz packages, but usually sending like one extra rusher per down, yeah. so rushing five. The
0: Bakhtiari absence was big.
1: Yeah, um, but sending you know that fifth pass rusher from from an undisclosed location, right? A blitzer. Yeah, and then covering underneath, they ran that famous Tampa 2 type coverage within the blitz package as far as I could identify um so they shut down the immediate answer to blitzes normally you get blitz you got to dump it short correct and that's what Take Green what Bay they tries. give you right except they weren't giving up the short pass on the blitz the vulnerability was deep and of course to get the ball deep you usually need time so it's a risky strategy that I think you're you're calling it out if Tampa uses that approach I think they're gonna get burned because what's unique about KC and Andy Reid's offense is they move the ball as well horizontally as they do vertically. It's scary. They use motion. Like, their offensive scheme is the definition of modern football. It's scary. They uh, make you adjust pre-snap by sending people in motion, using those formation shifts, the opposite of what Jason Garrett's offense looks like. Um, They make the defense think and then catch you off guard. They run those jet sweeps to hit the sideline. They run the fakes that come back with a screen. There's a lot of misdirection so that the defense can't swarm to the ball.
0: It kind and of slowing down the missile, so to speak. Kind of slowing it down the blitz. Yeah. Identify it, and how are we countering? And the one thing about the Chiefs, Eric Bieniemy, is a phenomenal OC, is that they are constantly combating whatever a, a good DC is throwing at them and what are we gonna do to 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 stop that? And on the opposite side, you have Steve Spagnola, and you're talking about blitzing that, you know, had that famous victory against the arguably the greatest offense ever in the 07 Pats, Tom Brady led team. Now, this is not the same teams playing. These are years later, this is completely different situations. But that's a great matchup, too. And you know, Jordan made the point about Honey Badger. Um, I see KC as not necessarily a top 10 defense, but I see them as an opportunistic defense. And you know, just as important on the other side of the ball, KC is going to have to win those matchups up front. They're going to have to hold Tampa to field goals as opposed to touchdowns. Where I do believe Tampa could have an advantage is the Chiefs have been susceptible to the run this year. And with the two-headed monster of Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones and Tampa having the ability to play the short game, I do think that uh, it can be advantageous for Tampa on offense. But that's another key.
1: Well, to jump off of your point, I think that is the key to the game. I think um, as much as we all want to see the Brady-Mahomes duel, that will probably happen anyway late in the game. At some point, um, yeah. Right. To be in the game, enough for that to matter, the Bucks have to control the ball the best way to slow down the Chiefs is to keep them off the field. Absolutely. It's it's a football cliche, but an explosive offense like that, you have to keep off the field. That means your offense needs to control the ball. It's not that you can't take shots and have chunk plays, but in between, you need to to move the ball on the ground, Mm -hmm. plain and simple. So you hit it. Um, The two-headed monster's got to show up. For me, it's whether the O-line can get it done. Tampa Bay's progress on the front has been exemplary as far as developing chemistry on an O-line over the course of a season. Part of it's been because their health has been decent. Yeah. And um, my concern is I'm not sure they've gotten greater at run blocking as much as they've improved in the pass protection. That is
0: certainly where they have improved, and it was on full display in the Green Bay game. Right. So, And in the Washington game, for that matter.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm thinking, you know, for Tampa to keep this a winnable game, they have to control the ball on offense, plain and simple. Now, for me, KC, with their litany of weapons, they're going to have X-Factor. Hardman's got to have a big game, and I think he will. going it comes have down to McCall
0: Hardman? Games.
1: Believe it or not. Not that the other guys aren't going to show up. Not that, um, you know, Sammy Watkins not going to make a few plays Hill's always going to make a few plays. Their running backs are going to show up. It's not that any of these guys aren't going to do what they do. I think it's going to be the back-breaking plays are going to come from Hardman.
0: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you with something that could hurt the Chiefs okay. or also help them. It depends. Travis Kelsey, who's explosive, great tight end, might be relegated to blocking a lot more than most game plans because of the fact that they have issues on that O-line, which might take the ball out of his hands, so to speak where you might be surprised and see Casey's second tight end getting some action. Because the the thing is, it really depends on how this game goes, but uh, just as important as everybody said, Green Bay had to rush for more than 85 yards to beat the bucks. Same goes for the chiefs because as explosive as their offense is. And sometimes in that offense, they set up the run through the pass, which is the new wave in the NFL where in old days, it's the other way. Um, should they have issues getting open or just, you know,
1: this is—I mean, this is the legacy of Mike Leach and the air raid offenses from college, and of course, he had his mentors. But you know, Texas Tech has kept that style ever since he left. Oh yeah, years ago under yeah, they me. kept it true. Yeah. yeah, Kingsbury did the same shit, right? And he was you know, there all these with guys
0: balls. are doing big things in the NFL. It's translating.
1: They, yeah, because it's a great approach. You can move the ball. It, it ironically, it goes back to West Coast concepts. Yep. you can do just yep. as much. Bill with Walsh a short pass. Than running the ball. Running the ball looks wasteful when you consider the pro and con of throwing a short pass. You can mm-hmm. throw a short pass, it's a relatively low risk and has the potential. And for what all did we stats. talk
0: about? That's why running backs, with mm-hmm. the exceptions of the CMCs and the Zeeks and the Saquons, Henry's a different class. He's a different era. Put him in the 80s, he can hang. The point I'm making is that they're getting devalued again because of the way offenses are doing business now. You can run with three-committee backfield. It's the different.
1: Backs, the backs that are most valuable right now are coming out of um, – they're either hybrid backs like a McCaffrey or a Saquon that that can catch as well as they can run.
0: Derrick Henry's in a dying breed.
1: He is. Um, but even him, he's much better, I think, than a traditional uh, – Oh, no, no, runner. no question.
0: He's yeah. more talented, no offense to the older cats – but, you know, it's just the evolution of the athlete.
1: The other running backs that are having great success are coming from spread offenses mm-hmm. that have the, the, the sort of one-cut backs, the Zeeks, um, you know, any of these backs that came from uh, a shotgun. Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb's a little bit different because he came from Georgia. They still are kind of in that Alabama, Derrick Henry, dying breed of, of downhill power-eye type shit. But Chubb is a little bit more of a blend. Um, I digress. We could we could do a whole running back show. I think we've we've reached the point where we need to just make our fucking calls on this game. Right? We've talked about it. We've talked about the intricacies of it. I'm sure you've heard it from other places. Richie, who's going to win this Super Bowl? Oh, shit. Uh. (laughs) For the record, we have our namesake host, Jordan Patrick, calling uh, 4137 in favor of the Chiefs. Our other... Um, guest of the show and co-host Brett called, what, 42-39 thir- uh, um, in favor of the, f- the Bucks.
0: I have been hypercritical of Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers all year, and I have basically picked the Chiefs every friggin' week since last Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I was the only guy last year that picked the Chiefs against the Niners. Yep. I'll tell you, I'm, I'm breaking into two. I want the Chiefs to win. I do, but this is my opinion. Oh, fuck. I have a funny feeling that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to win this game because I have a feeling that they're just going to be a little more physical. And I think at the end of the day, they are still playing in their home stadium, and that does count for something. Um, I'm going to go Tampa Bay 33, Kansas City 30. I hate that I'm picking the Bucks. I don't want them to win, but that's my opinion and uh i think we're looking at uh ronald jones yeah i said it ronald jones super bowl mvp he's kind of been phased out the last few weeks i have a feeling he's going to go off on one of those marcus allen-esque runs that's going to shock everybody watching tonight and make people remember when they shot commercials of Emmett smith while he was still playing the damn game highlights of it i have a funny feeling ronald jones is going to have a night
1: so you referenced last year's picks um where myself and Jordan picked the Niners, you picked the Chiefs. I'm not making that mistake again. I'm not picking against Patrick Mahomes. Um, they've been the best team all season. He is the future of the league. And, and not only that, as great as he is, he has an amazing supporting cast that is not quite as aged as some of Brady's, um, which is why I bring up players like Hardman. I bring up... Um, they're going to have contributions from so many different places where the Bucks, I think, are limited to their, their stars. Um, this is going to be close at the end of the game. I think the, Bucs, uh, excuse me, the Chiefs are going to pull away in late third, early fourth and have like an 11-point kind of lead. And at the final score I'm calling is 36-34. Brady's going to have a chance at the end of the game with too long of a field and not enough time going to end with a honey badger pick his second of the game which will give him the super bowl mvp
0: i hope you're right even though i picked oppositely we shall see i cannot believe i picked the bucks all (laughs) all year i stayed away from them but i'm trying to be uh true to the one year anniversary last year i picked against both of you and last year you both picked the nfc this year i'm picking the nfc
1: the only nfl game I've, i've gone to in person was the bucks and the giants I didn't know that. Yeah, way back in the day. Um, We're going to speak on that outside. (laughs) Anyway, happy Super Bowl Sunday. We made it a year. Thank you to our co-host, Jordan Patrick, Brett, Richie, of course, to my wife for letting me come over here, to my children for not noticing that I'm gone. Uh, Richie, anything you want to say before we sign off? In the
0: event that a defensive player should win MVP, I got to bring it home in my loyalty to Big Blue Jason Pierre Paul, showing out against his former D.C. Steve Spagnola. Uh, I hope everyone stays healthy. J.P.P. went through so much hell. I am very happy for him that he is on this stage again. He went through a lot to get back to where he is. And uh, he's a tough son of a bitch. But good luck to everybody playing today. And above all else, I want these guys to stay healthy.
1: So thank you so much for listening to us this past year. Enjoy your Super Bowl Sunday. We are going to sign off with the message from our number one fan. We'll talk to you guys soon.
2: I just want to let you guys know this is a great show. I am truly enjoying it. I am a diehard Giants fan and today it's a difficult day. I do not want Tom Brady to win the Super Bowl. With that being said, my prediction for Super Bowl 55 is... Kansas City will win the Super Bowl by six points. That's my wish and my prediction. And you guys keep rocking this show, it is amazing. Much love from Oviedo, Florida.